Good morning, church family. First of all, just uh, recognizing the honor of our Heavenly Father and recognizing our pastor in his absence. Uh, and you, my brothers and sisters, it is an humble privilege for me to be here this morning to bring to you a, a word from the Lord. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to be honest. You know, during the pandemic, I've had a lot of time to write lots of sermons and do lots of studying. And, you know, when the pastor called and said, hey, could you fill in? I'm like, yes, pastor, I'm just full of filling in. <laughs> uh, but you know what? When I went to go through all of those messages, uh, what I figured, what I was told is like, put all that aside. I've got a different word for you today. And I'm like, Lord, but wait a minute. That means I've got to put in all that study time and I've got to do all this research again. I've got to write it all. He said, don't worry. <laughs> I'm sufficient. <laughs> because I got a message that I want you to deliver. I'm going to give you that message. So I thank you this morning for just letting me have a short time to share with you a passage that is fairly familiar with you if you spend any time in any church. But I have to say that it is a passage that I myself could never ever could not remember that I had heard it preached to me. I've heard it mentioned many times in many sermons, but I had never heard it preached to me. And so I was like, why is that? And maybe that's why the Lord led me to focus in on that scripture. For my on my behalf, for my benefit, and for the benefit of you, his people. <laughs> when I was growing up, the one thing that we liked a lot was the visitation of my cousins. We lived in Crockett, Texas. They lived in Houston, Texas. And I tell you what, when we knew they was coming to visit, man, you're talking about a, a level of excitement that was undescribable. I mean, we, we didn't have no telephones. And so the only way we knew they were coming was that we got a letter from my aunt saying we will be there on such and such a date. And we had that date ingrained in our mind, and I tell you what, the excitement building up to the date that they showed up, I tell you, was indescribable. I thought about that event when I thought about what had just happened with us. I figured that when I look at that date and I think about what was happening right then and there, something very similar was going on with the Jews. The Jews had been told by the prophet for many times that the Messiah was coming. And so there was a great expectation, a great excitement for his arrival. And I tell you what, the waiting, the time that they was waiting for him to show up, just for some had to be somewhat unbearable. But you know, just like my cousins, they eventually showed up and we had a good time. We had a few crises even when they was there. You know, Jesus finally shows up. And he had some good times. He, he, he taught and he preached and he walked and he healed and he gave sight to the blind. And he did many, many miracles and he did much, much teaching. And all of those things, those people that was following him in heart and mind truly enjoyed and they were blessed for that. But there came a day when my cousins had to leave. And that usually was a sad day for me. In fact, I'll just be honest. Every time they left to go back to Houston uh, from Crockett, I cried. Yeah, I cried because I would miss their company. I would miss the fun. I would miss the excitement of spending time with them. I'm sure that the disciples probably had a couple of moments like that because what would happen to me is I would, as I watched them go down the road and see the taillights disappear from sight, I would go, what now? 
See, there was a certain amount of preparation that was done before they showed up. And there was a certain amount of preparation that would have to be done after they had left. I'm sure the disciples had those same, had two of those moments themselves. One of those, when Jesus died on that cross, they probably wondered, what now? The other was when he ascended and back into heaven. I'm sure they asked again, what now? But in both of those instances, brothers and sisters, Christ had already given an answer. He gives us an answer uh, to the latter one here in this word. Because when he left, he left something to be done. He gave his followers, his disciples, instructions on what needed to happen. If you go with me to chapter 28, and we look at verse, um, we look at verse 18, start at verse 18, I think you can follow what I'm saying. <clears throat> Then Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. When I read that passage, the, and I was trying to come up with a name, the name, what now? What now? Jesus answers that question because he gives instructions to the disciples, and hence us, because he inspired Dr. Luke to write these words for this very moment, this very day, for this very people, that we might have something to do between the time that he ascended into heaven and the time he's coming back. We've got something to do. There was a job that he left for us to do that will perpetuate the movement that he began while he walked here among us. There was a job to do. There is a job to do right now. Well, when I looked at the passage, I came away with four different observations about the passage. The first thing was that the, we as believers have been given a great commission. The first thing I had to do, though, however, is understand what is a commission. See, what I come to understand is that a commission is not some, if you will, great idea that we are to ponder upon and think about in terms of the acts and duties that it brings about. It is not a dismissal, if you will, of authority. It's not that. A commission, if you look at Webster, he says that it is a formal written warrant <coughs> granting power to perform some act or duty. I was like, okay. You look at a commission, it is a conferring of authority. I look at this word and I say, okay. It is an authorization of of, 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 of power, if you will, to go out and do certain acts. In other words, we are to do some things that God, that Christ has left for us to do while he is gone. When I look at this passage, I think about the fact that there are many Christians today that are really not taking the commission very serious. See, when you, we take the commission very serious, what we become to understand is that it is not just a suggestion or responsibility. When we chose to 
follow him as our Lord and Savior, we chose to accept the commission that he was given. See, it stands to reason that any time a commission is given, that there has to be a recipient. In this case, we find that Christ is talking to his disciples, and he's talking to us now through this word as followers of his. The other thing we come to understand is that if we are given a commission, it is caused, it causes, or uh, should bring about what is called an active response. Key word being active response. So what should that response be? Well, we're going to talk about that. See, as believers, we have been given this great commission. We have it in writing. We have been given the authority, we have been given the authority and the power, if you will, to act in place of, to, to come before, to, 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 to talk to all of those that God will put in our paths and tell them about his plan of salvation. See, what this word says to me is that we as believers, we, when the world look at us, they are to be seeing, they are to see imitations of Christ. In other words, they should see and observe in us Christ's very, his very own nature, his nature for caring and loving and compassion for his people. They should see that in us. We should imitate him. Because we have been given this commission, we should be about making sure that what the world sees is what Christ has instructed us to be. The second thing I run into as I go through and look at this and second observation that I have is the why of this scripture. Well, it didn't take me very long to see the why of this passage. We've talked about the what, that's the commission. The why of the commission. Well, let's face it. We live in a broken world. And the world is broken because of the sin of men. And this world that we live in has really no desire to do any self-correction. In fact, even worse than not desiring to want to correct itself, <laughs> there's no desire to change anything that's different than what it is right now. In fact, the world likes it the way it is right now, spiritually depraved, physically depraved, emotionally depraved, ethically depraved. It likes it that way. And so there's no desire or no motivation by it to change. But you and I, if we are to be, if we are to be commissioners, if we are to be fulfilling this great commission that we have, we need to, what? Be act, have an active response. And that active response is just being who we were called to be. When we look at this, this, this commission, we understand that as believers, if we don't fully embrace this, this commission, there is no such thing as peace. There is no such thing as joy. There is no such thing as true leadership. Uh, there is no such thing, if you will, of, 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 of care and compassion and concern for each other. We as believers must embrace the commission such that these things will come to being. See, 
when we look at the, the Great Commission, it's not, like I say, a suggestion. If the world is to be turned around, if things are to be straightened out, if things are to come back into focus, morally, physically, spiritually, ethically, it's only going to be by Christians like you and I embracing and fulfilling the commission that we were given. If we don't do that, it's not going to happen. See, as believers, we must, we must be about carrying out the Great Commission because what happens when we do it is we evangelize the world. See, our effectively carrying out that commission brings about a change in the world. It brings about a change that God would have for this world. See, a great commission can only be given by someone with the greatness and the authority to give it. And what do we find in verse 18, Jesus saying? That all authority has been given to him, both in what? In heaven and in earth. Think about that. All authority. All authority. That's everything, folks. See, he says it was given. Given to, given to him by who? By God. It was given to exalt Christ over all and above all. It was given to exalt him, to give him authority over everything. The heavens, the earth, everything he has authority over. He has authority to oversee it. He has authority to direct it. That's just maintaining the stars where they are, the moon where it is, the sun where... He has authority to do all of those things. He has the authority to, to judge, to rule over, to reign over. All of that authority has been given to his hand. The, don't, tr don't take my word. Look at verse 18. So if he has been given all of this authority... If all of this authority belonged to him, we, you and I as believers, have a certain assurance in the authority that he has been given. What is that assurance? Well, that assurance is that you and I have at our disposal the power to carry out the commission that he has given to us. After all, if he controls everything, that's us. That's everything around us. That's everything that can have an impact on us. And he told us what he wants us to do. Why should we fear? Why should we not wholly embrace, if you will, the commission that we have been given and at every opportunity with every path that we cross, share the good news with folks? After all, what is the nature of good news? It ain't nobody that has good news that don't want to share it. And you and I, brothers and sisters, we have good news. And so we are instructed to ensure that good news. Something else I noticed when I was doing this study is how many times the, the Great Commission has been repeated. In fact, you can find it mentioned in all four of the Gospels. And even in Acts, chapter 1, verse 8, you can find it even there being mentioned. So what that tells me is that if it's been mentioned so many times, then it had to have been of some significance or some importance to the one who gave it. Well, what do that mean for you and I? Well, it is given to us, as I said, with the intent of perpetuating the movement, the mission, the objective that Jesus had while he walked here. But you know what? 
We wasn't left to do it all by ourselves. So, you know, we said it stands to reason that there is a response, an active response required as of the commission. Well, let's talk about that. How are we to accomplish this commission? How are we to accomplish this assignment that you and I have given, been given? Well, that's the third observation that I had about this passage. As believers, we have received all of the resources we need, everything that is necessary to carry out this great commission. We've received it. Yeah, yeah, we received it. We, don't, we, we haven't been shorted anything. We haven't. The Great Commission, it brings, we said it was a written document. I submit to you, here it is. It's a written document, but it's a written document that has a lot of characteristics about it. What does it do? Well, it is power for one thing. Every time that Jesus was confronted by Satan, huh, threw the word on him. Why? Because the word has power. If you and I have the word and the word is what we're sharing as we carry out the Great Commission, we have what? Power. You know, but there are some other characteristics about this word. Well, what are they, you say, uh, Brother Jolly, what are they? Well, first of all, it is our instruction book to life. You want to know how to live a life that is acceptable to the Lord? The instruction book. You want to know how to put your family back together? The instruction book. You want to know how to raise your children? The instruction book. You want to know how to get along with folks in the church? Your instruction book. You want to know how to be light to a dying world? The instruction book. It's counselor. It's an advisor. And you know, when we step out of line, it's also a disciplinarian. Yeah, we have to embrace the full power. The full power. So this Great Commission, you know, being a written word, you know, the, the, the recipients of us being the recipient of it, we have to look at this word and we have to look at ourselves. We have to ask ourselves, are we really carrying out the Great Commission? Well, I can recall that there are some scriptures, namely 2 Corinthians, 13 and 2 that says, you know, we ought to examine ourselves. I look at 2 Peter and, 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 and I look at uh, chapter 1 and look at verses 10 through 11 and it says that we ought to test ourselves. And so as I prepared this passage, as I'm studying this, 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 this scripture, I started to think about, am I demonstrating the fruit of the Spirit? Because, see, my demonstration of the fruit of the Spirit, and I did say fruit, <laughs> joy, peace, patience, long-suffering, self-control, gentleness, kindness, goodness, <laughs> they're not individual fruits. They are the fruit. There ain't no one or two or three. It's all of them. So we got to evaluate ourselves against that. Do you have love for the brethren? That was another one that came across. And I had to evaluate and test and examine myself as to whether do I have love for the brethren? And if I have love for the brethren, guess what that shows up in? My philosophy, my behavior, the things that I do and don't do, all of that 
my love, my care, my compassion for my brothers and sisters, whether they my color, whether they're different from me, whether they my nationality, no matter what, I love them because guess what? I see them as an image bearer. And because they are an image bearer, they are important to my Lord, and as my Lord, they are important to me. You know, I look at this and I, I, I see the instructions and I, I see this examining myself to make sure that, you know, I am going in the right direction. The fact that this commission was a power that was bestowed upon another is an indication to me that true power resides at a higher level, not in myself. See, when we are trying to imitate the nature and we're trying, and the, and the character and attributes of the Lord, when we were trying to carry out the Great Commission, we weren't left to do it all by ourselves. He gave us power to be able to do it. That's what I like about the Lord. He never gives us something or responsibility or assignment that he don't already equip us or is not equipping us at the present time to be able to carry out. But we just got to be willing to embrace it. We got to be willing to accept it. We've got to avail ourselves of that power if we're going to be a difference. See, there are folks, time's running, running down. It's winding down. All you need to do is look around and you start to understand how important it is for you and I as believers to stand up and have a voice. Not just in the church house but in our homes, in our community, in our government, in our everything. They, the, we are the light. We are the light. We ought not want anybody, the Lord don't want anybody to perish. We ought not want anybody to perish. <laughs> this, this is the most important assignment that you and I could ever get. And we get it from the highest authority available. See, as, 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 as we take position of this, we, we, we see that God gives us instruction on how we are to carry it out. It says that we have been commissioned to do what? Go. That sounds like active response to me. Go where? All nations. He defines that. And what are we to, what, what are the, what, what are we to make? Disciples. He defined that. So you ain't got to figure out what you're supposed to be making. <laughs> He's already outlined to you what you're supposed to be making. Disciples were all nations. <laughs> Not just folks that just look like us or talk like us or do the same thing that we do, but everybody. All nations means everybody. It's all inclusive. What else are we supposed to make, if you will? What else are we supposed to do? Well, we're supposed to baptize them. Yeah, we're to baptize them, baptize all the disciples in all the nations. And then what we're supposed to do, we don't supposed to stop there. See, this commission is very, very clear. All folks make disciples, all nations, baptize them. Then it goes on to say what? Teach them. Teach them what? <laughs> Let's go back to the instruction book on life. All things that I have commanded you. See, if we out there teaching our own philosophies, if we're giving them our own secrets for success, <laughs> we're going to fail them. 
But when we turn them to this word and we give them the benefit of this word, when we show them how to go into this word and understand what God has promised to his people, the promises that he has made that has already been kept, the promises that are being kept at this very moment, and the promises that we have for the future. This right here. This is the power. This is the power. See, it's very clear that we are to teach them, but let me tell you something. There's a prerequisite that goes with the teaching. You say what? The prerequisite is <laughs> you got to know what to teach. See, if you aren't investing yourself in studying the Word of God, you don't know what to teach. See, you only have your opinions and your thoughts and your perspective on things. And let me in, let, you, let you in on a little secret. <laughs> it don't work. It don't work. The only, the only formula that works <laughs> is right here in the instruction book. And if we aren't studying the instruction book, it ain't no way I can give you good, viable, and effective instructing. That's the prerequisite. You got to know the word in order to teach the word. So when I look at this, I find something else that's very interesting, and that's getting on down in those last verses. We have a great assurance. A great assurance has been given to us in two respects. First of all, the one respect is, is he says that I am with you. Now, you might be tend tempted to gloss over that little phrase, but I, I need you to examine with him for just a little bit. See, am, am, that word am, well, that's a present tense, singular person word. And when you look at the word, if he had said, I will, there might have been a little problem with that because that word will is kind of futuristic. See, if he had said where it will, we may have been tempted to think that there may have been some times when he might not be with us. But what did he say? I am. That says that there ain't never going to be a time when you are carrying out this great commission that I'm not going to be with you. I'm going to be with you when every decision needs to be made. I'm going to be with you every step of the way. I'm going to be with you with every trial that you will face. When they reject you, when they abuse you, when they scorn you, guess what? You still got a friend in me. Because I'm with you. I'm with you. Now, I got some really good friends. And I can remember as we was growing up, you know, it was nothing better than having your friends, your buds, if you will, hanging out with you because you know your buds had your back. Well, I'm going to tell you what, brothers and sisters in Christ, we have a friend who has promised. See, I am is a promise. I am with you. That's a promise. We have a friend who has promised to be with us no matter what it is happening. When we're sick, he's with us. And I can give you a testimony on that all by itself. Yeah, <laughs> when, we, uh, when we face even death, I'm with you. That's the promise, that's the assurance that we have. And you know what else I like about it? It's timeless. Because looking a little bit further here, it says, I am with you 
always. You get that? Always. That means it's timeless. That means you and I, we don't have to ever worry about a time when it's not going to be there. So my fourth point is what then? See, as believers, when we are carrying out this great commission, it means that we will have victory. In other words, we can expect victory when we successfully carry a desire. So what does that success look like? Well, first of all, it looks like victory over our own sinful selves and our own sinful neglect and our own sinful complacency. It's victory over that. Next of all, it's being victorious, being bold in our testimony. We just sung the song. My test, this is my testimony. This is my story. This is how I can tell you that the Lord is good and he is sweet and he is faithful to his promise. Let me tell you, I can talk about that too. You know, probably the only person you'll look at that's done had four heart attacks. And every time he had me in a place that was just minutes, I mean mere minutes. I think the longest time it took me to get to a hospital was like five minutes. I was that close every time something happened. And that let me know that he was always faithful and that he's always going to be there and he's never going to show up late. See, I, I, I understand that when we are successfully carrying out, our lives will be radically different than everybody we see around radically different and it will be influential it will be influential in our families it will be influential in our church in our community our state our nation in this world we could change things we have the power to change things it's not our power it's the power that's been given to us as followers of Christ <clears throat> when my cousins would leave you know I told you I would cry and I would and the only thing that I had left to look forward to was the next time that they would visit and it was three of us I had two brothers it was six of them can you imagine the kind of fun that nine boys got into on 150 acres of land See, we, you and I, brothers and sisters in Christ, we ought to have that excitement. Because, yes, he did ascend. But you know what we're looking for? He's going to return. He's going to return, and when he returns, he's going to ask us to give an account of how well we have carried out the commission that he left us with. We ought to be just as excited as we were as young boys waiting for a visit from our cousin. We ought to be just as excited telling everybody about the goodness of the Lord. Telling everybody about his salvation. Telling everybody. We ought to be telling them about the celebration that we are going to have. He's planning a celebration for all of us who are his followers and who have been obedient to carrying out his commission. Let me pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, I come before you first of all acknowledging that we have fallen short. I have fallen short. I can only speak for me, Lord, and, and you know. I have fallen short from time to time in carrying out that commission. 
Sometimes it's been secondary in my mind. Sometimes even tertiary. But Father, I was reminded as I look at your scripture that it should be primary. And so this, this, this morning, Lord, uh, as with other mornings when uh, you had me studying and looking at this, I just recommit myself right now, Lord, to be a faithful executor of the commission that you have given me. To love, to care, to show concern, and most of all, to share your plan of salvation with all of those you would call my path to cross. Father, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your patience with me. Thank you for your, the grace that you have poured out over me. Father, I pray for these who have heard this word. I pray that their understanding of this word, Father, has not been limited by my humble, human, limited ability but that you will speak to them and through them and show them what it is that they need to do. And we'll always be careful to give you all praise, honor, and glory. For, Father, you deserve that and so, so, so much more. We love you this morning. We praise you this morning. We worship you. This message was for believers and non-believers. If you are a believer and you have found yourself, you examined and you tested yourself and you find yourself falling up short, I'm going to invite you to come right here now and bring that to the Lord and let him know that you want to change, that you want to do better. Why do I say this message is for non-believers also? Because I truly believe that when believers effectively carry out the commission, non-believers are going to get saved. I truly believe that. So I'm offering you the opportunity to come if you need to recommit. I'm offering you to come if you need to take advantage. You know, we can give you an invitation to the, to the celebration, but unless you accept the invitation, you can't benefit from the celebration. You got to accept it. And I can't accept it for you. Your mother can't accept it for you. Your brother can't. The preacher can't. The teacher can't. Nobody can accept it but you. And we're giving you that opportunity. I and other brothers are standing here ready to help you begin that walk. <laughs> and if you're afraid to get up, I'm going to give you a little bit of help. Pray with me once again. Lord, I know that I am a sinner. I know that I have fallen short of your word on many occasions. I believe that Christ is your son. I believe that he came, he lived a perfect life, he died on a cross on my behalf. And I now confess him as my Lord and my Savior. Father, accept me. Thank you for the grace and the mercy and the love that you have now poured out on me. In Jesus' name, I pray this. You prayed that and you sincerely mean that. You have basically admitted that you're a sinner. You have admitted that you believe in Christ is who he said he is and will do what he said he would do. And you have confessed that he is now your Lord and Savior. And guess what? You have now received your invitation to the celebration. I admonish you. Now you need to let the world know. Because the commission was tell everybody. God bless you.